But I want to talk about promises today. This is what I had on my heart this week, and so what I'm offering to us as a word that God might want all of us to consider thinking about, and specifically the fact that we're meant to be promise-keeping people, and that the keeping of our promises is one of the most important things we can do. It's also one of the most difficult areas of failure or betrayal or hurt when promises are broken. And it's kind of the basis for our entire faith, God's promises to us, our promises to Him. And so this week, this whole month is kind of like a beginning month for us, kind of a month of consecrating, consecrating this space to God's use, whatever He's going to see it become is great in our eyes. Uh, but also, I want us to consecrate ourselves. I want us to say, who do we need to be as we start in this new space? Who are we called to be? And so, at the very end, we'll have a time where all of us who are a part of um, faith, uh, faith in Christ, whether you're a part of this church or not, can take a moment to renew your vows to the Lord. But then a time for those of us who are part of the New Hope Church family as well to renew our vows to each other. And we actually have a couple of people, uh, David and Hope, uh, who have decided they want to join this church family as part of the larger body of Christ. So as we renew our vows, they'll be joining with us in them for the first time. So it is, it's a beginning, it's a setting apart. Uh, but I thought I would ask to start things off. If anybody here has ever done a renewal of vows in their marriage, see a show of hands for anyone who might have done that along the way. Okay. I know we have. Brandon, you said, can you remember why you did it or what it was like or something about it?
but with the test of time, you will fulfill those promises in the day to day so that it will be more meaningful. You will understand what you're saying. And the, the other part will, will agree with you and say, yes, this is what you're saying is true. And they say to you, and it's just a, a beautiful thing to feel. Someone who is just honest, being someone who keeps their promise, I said, I'll be there, I'll be there. That 
Do you remember, um, somewhere in the last year, I can not even remember, my brain is so foggy these days sometimes, too much going on in there, and then sometimes it just powers down and there's nothing going on in there. Um, but I was remembering, I went through the book of Joshua and studied how the Lord worked with him. So I don't remember how many months ago this was. Um, but I recognized in his life, there were so many rules of the covenant. Do you remember what read through them? The first one is Moses, he brings down the Ten Commandments and they make a covenant with God. He says, here's my laws, you're my people. Right? So that's obviously a covenant moment. But there was also a covenant moment when they went over into the Promised Land, they renewed the covenant, they celebrated Passover, they renewed the covenant again. It happened again at the end of Joshua's life. Yeah, I'm passing on the torch to someone else. Let's renew the covenant. So in addition to the festivals and the Sabbaths, they intentionally said, what are we promising to God? What is He promised to us? And they made a point to renew it again, and kind of like each new season. So if you've just started dating someone that's a new season in your life, if you're engaged to someone that's a new season in your life, if you've just found out that you're pregnant, that's a new season, you've know, just had a baby, you have a child who's gone into high school, or graduated from high school, it's a new season, if you've moved as a church from one place to another, new seasons, if you sold a house, if you moved, if you've gone off to college, what would you think about each of those moments recommitting to the Lord in this new place, in this new season? All right, so we're in a new relationship. How do I covenant with you, God? to be who you want me to be in this relationship? That's a great question to ask. But before you're in that relationship, it's a generic question. I hope sometime when I'm in a relationship, you'll help me to be like Jesus to this person. Well, now you really know the person. You know the ways that that's easy to do, the ways that that's hard. It becomes real. Renew the covenant then. You take a new job. Jesus, how can I love you in this job? How can I represent you in this job? Renew your covenant. I want us to renew our commitment to God this morning, and I believe that there are people in this room, whether familiar friends or new friends, that came here this morning and need to hear this. You need to hear this thought that this morning is a good morning to renew your covenants with the Lord. No matter where you've been, He's a God of reclaiming, He's a God of renewing, He's a God of restoring. So it's not about the circumstances, it's about are we ready to start again. It's great stuff for God's in the Bible that we love so much. So there will be opportunities for that. I'd like you just to be thinking if that's for you this morning. I think it's for me. I think God wants me to recommit this morning to a new season in a new way. Not just blessing and building. We need to bless and consecrate ourselves. I'd like to look at the first covenant, the old covenant, the old testament. That's the Ten Commandments of Moses. And then move over to the New Testament and look at Jesus and the covenant that we have in Him. We have to compare those um, Because sometimes I think when we say, what are my promises to God? We think, well, what are the things that I need to do? I need to do the right things. I shouldn't do bad things. I should probably keep the Ten Commandments. You know, I should, I should probably pray. I should probably read my Bible. Start thinking about our checklist. And God is a holy God. He calls us to live holy lives. He wants us to be thinking about those but Jesus came to show us that God wants a relationship with us. It's not enough to just want to obey someone. That's not really a great marriage if you just obey. You want to enjoy. And so the new covenant is about falling in love with a God who is so holy, who has all those things that make him so set apart. And so that's why I want to look at those two.
good one to flip with me if you brought a Bible. Um, if you have a Bible app on your phone, we're going to look at Exodus 20, and we're going to flip over and look at Matthew chapter 5, and kind of compare and contrast those two things. So Exodus chapter 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are given. First, and I'll give you a heads up of kind of how I see that God works with people, how He's worked with His people, and how He might be working with you this morning. I think a relationship with God has three very special stages to it. Sometimes people get stuck in one or another, but they're meant to like build on each other. I think the first time we encounter God, we feel the don'ts. I shouldn't do this. I can't do that. I don't want to do this anymore. It's sort of like a stopping. Maybe many of you, when you encountered God at first, you felt convicted like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, or I can't do this. Like a stop. So the first thing we experience with God is no. That's how the Ten Commandments introduce God's people to Him. These are the things no, don't. But what if we just stop there? Our whole life is, I'm not going to do anything bad. It's still a neutral. It's still a, a nothing life. So the next phase of growing in God is the doing. So first, don't do these things. But then also, do these things. What are the things that are good to do? Love your neighbor, love God, worship, read your Bible, these are good. But still it's in the obedience category. Jesus came to save us, to give us our spirit, give us his spirit, and was prophesied hundreds of years before that God would put his spirit in our hearts that we would become like him, that we would know him from the inside, that his spirit would teach us. So then it's not just so much a matter of don't do this and do this, actually become. Let him make you like him. So those are the three stages that I see in anyone's relationship with God. And the people that get stuck on the don'ts are usually kind of harsh. They're harsh on themselves. They're harsh on others. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Don't do that. Don't. That doesn't feel like a Jesus that comes to give his life. That feels like the law. And it's good. That's where we start. But then you take the next step and you say, wow, I have this desire. I want to do something good. I want to serve the community. I want to love my family members better. I want to forgive myself more fully. I want to use my gifts in the world that there's a doing. But you know what happens when people get stuck in the doing? They get burnt out. They get exhausted. Because you got to keep doing the next thing. Oh, what are the good deeds that I've got to do? And oh my, I haven't done enough lately. I haven't prayed enough lately. I haven't read my Bible for as much as I wanted to. Oh, I didn't make it to that outreach. I didn't do that thing. Oh, I was going to volunteer at this organization. It's exhausting because either way it's stopping or working, get to that next place where God just starts changing us. So the things that we don't do, it's not a matter of, oh, better not. I don't really want to act like that anymore. I don't want to do those things because it's from the inside. It's natural more and more. And the things we do, it's not like, oh, pastor called. I better do this thing. Or, oh, there's an event. I better be there. Someone says, why weren't you at the last thing? Like, who cares? <laughs> you need to be where God wants you to be. But if
this is the way we relate to him. And so as we go to a renewal later, I'd like you to think about maybe there are some don'ts. Maybe you need to renew your vows with some of the don'ts in your life. There are things we're letting creep back in that we shouldn't, okay? But maybe there are some of the do's that we've been meaning to get around to, our great intentions, and then life gets super busy. Maybe we need to renew our vows with some of the do's. These are important, but they're not the greatest. The greatest thing is to love the Lord your God with everything you've got, and to love your gifts, to be a loving person, to actually love what you do instead of feeling obligated. So that might be where some of us are at, and I encourage you to think it for yourself where God needs you to renew and then to move forward in. So Exodus chapter 20. This is the first covenant. Actually, I guess if you consider Noah, there's many covenants in Scripture. We'll call this the Old Testament. Testament means promise, means covenant, means contract. So this is the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And then we have in our Bibles a New Testament, a new covenant. Jesus said, I make you a new set of promises, a new contract. And it's different. So let's look at the first one, learn some more about the don'ts and the news, and then see how Jesus sees it even further. So I'm just going to read for us. In the Ten Commandments, these describe God's holiness. Exodus 20, God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or a likeness of anything in heaven above, or as on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the traveler who is within you. For in six days the Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the Sabbath. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Yeah, But these are loving things from a loving God to give us guidance. He continues, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant. Not because the stove is sacred, because the stove is hot. 
A loving parent gives guidelines for protection, and they reflect the attitude of the parent. Some of us were fortunate to have good parents that loved us and set up good boundaries. And there were rules in our houses, but they didn't feel like dictators. They didn't feel harsh. Some of us were not blessed to grow up in families like that. We grew up with harsh parents and unfair rules and not a lot of love. So be careful how you read the laws of God. These are from a loving God who knows what's best and who wants to protect us so that we may live long in the land that he's calling us to, those sorts of things. But these are the don'ts. There may be some of us here this morning that are reminded, you know what? I need to worry. Maybe covenant could be one that we could pick as our example for this morning. It just means being jealous of what other people have. That's promoted, actually, in our culture. To want what others have, to want something nicer, to wish you had more. This is something that marketing and that the media and that our economy is driven by. So how good are you doing at resisting the push to want more? Maybe you've gotten caught up in it. I heard someone use the phrase this past week, um, chasing money. He said, I just caught up chasing money. Okay, I get that. That can happen to us. Maybe that's happened to us, and now really all our life is is just chasing after the next things. God says, don't be greedy for anything. Be grateful for what you have, no matter how small or how big. So the don't helps you to be driven driven and driven for wanting more, which will never end. And spend our whole life at the end of it and say, why did I waste so much time just trying to get money at all this disappeared anyway? What was it for? It's protection in adults. So think through as we read those things. Which ones apply to you? Maybe the renewal will mean something like that for you. The covenant written in the Old Testament is interesting. Um, for those of you who have done a little bit of research or read into it, you might know that it was patterned after the way ancient treaties were made. So say a congregation came in and took over, we're going to develop a treaty with the countries that are around us. They had a pattern for how they would do this. Um, the Hittite nation was one of the most famous, they kind of were known for these Hittite treaties. And in these covenants, there was always a stronger party and a weaker party. And so the stronger party would say, because of my strength, the might of my army or my lordship over you, this is what I demand. But this is what I also offer. I offer this protection. I offer this commerce. I offer this relationship between our nations. There were always witnesses to these treaties. And there was always blessings and curses that came at the end. If you keep this tree, if I keep this tree, the blessings will look like this. This is how we will benefit from this relationship. We will prosper together. And we will aid each other in times of war. There are blessings. But there are also curses. There are blessings and curses. And the curses were, we will bring down vengeance upon you for every act of betrayal that you give to us. For every way that you break one of these covenants, there will be repercussions. And it was always the more powerful person dictating the terms of the covenant, the contract. In some ways, our modern contracts are kind of like this. So you buy a house and you make a contract with the bank. And you say, I promise to pay. And they say, we promise to let you live there. 
If you pay for such and such, you have lessons and we will own this eventually. And you will keep getting money from us to provide for what you don't yet own. But the curses in modern language would be if you don't pay every month or every year, we will take back that house, which is rightfully ours, until you can pay or we will sell it to someone else. So our contracts kind of work this way. There's a more powerful person and a weaker person. Think about that for just a second. Who's in control in those kind of contracts? The power player, right? Who's helpless? The weaker person. The, the powerful person can say whatever they want. You have to submit. This is the terms of the agreement. Don't do that. This is why Jesus is so amazing. And this is what sets apart Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion in the world is about what are we supposed to do, what are we supposed to not do. So you can go to different religions and find different lists of rules, different things they think are bad or good, but it's all about how are we going to appease God? How are we going to live a good life? It's all the do's and don'ts. It doesn't get any further than that. Jesus came for the what I will do for you. Guess what you can do on your own? Nothing. Guess what you're good at? Nothing. Guess what I'm good at? Everything. Guess what I can do for you? Everything. All you need to do is hang on to me. I will change you. I will save you. So Christianity is the one place in the world where you can find a God that seeks after people. Instead of a bunch of people running real hard trying to get to God. It works in exactly the opposite order. And the places where Christianity fails are when it slips into the do's and don'ts and becomes its own sort of rituals, its own sort of legalism, and forgets it's supposed to be Father God, family of Christ, Jesus who saves us. And then because of our love, what, what are the things we can do together? What are the things we shouldn't do? Teach me what the house rules are. What does it look like to be part of this family? It works in exactly the other words. So this is where I want to read one of Jesus' most clear teachings. It's the book of Matthew. It's chapter 5. And this is, in my mind, a description of the new covenant in many ways. Do you remember at the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to celebrate and later in remembrance of Jesus. Um, but I always think it's interesting that he doesn't define the new covenant in that moment. He just says it. This is the new covenant. So what is the new covenant? What are we supposed to do? Jesus is constantly doing this. He's not giving instructions about how to do and not do. He's saying, this is who so we read here one of the greatest consolidations of his teachings is the Beatitudes. It's in Matthew 5. You might have seen when you came in, we have little copies of the Gospel of Matthew. If you don't have one yet, I encourage you to take one. It's pocket size. Take it with you. There's so much good in Matthew. It's such a beautiful book. The um, Beatitudes are listed in full form in only Matthew. And so if you want one, take one on your, your way up. Maybe read this week. You're going to notice as we go through them, this is the definition of what Jesus' kingdom looked like, who he is, and who are blessed, who are with him. But I, I 
dare you to try to find any instructions as we go through about how to do it. They're not there. There's no instruction on how. It's not that sort of thing. How do you be a son or a daughter when you get born? You can be a good son or a good daughter, a faithful one, a, a disgraceful one, but how do you be? You become a child of God. Not because you're born. And who does the birth? You're the parents. And that changes our identity. But this is describing what we as Christians should see when we look in the mirror. And when we don't, it's who we want to grow up to be. This is who we are in Christ. You come. Matthew 5, starting verse 1, and verse 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up onto the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And stop there for just a second. There's a lot of beautiful things in here. I'll touch on a few things we go by. When someone in that day and age as a teacher sat down to teach, it was like a seat of authority. Picture like a teacher sitting down at their desk, picture a king sitting down on his throne. Moses sat down and gave them the law from God. So this isn't Jesus just kind of like, he settled in and got comfy and then talked. This is a, a statement of authority. He's about to give a law. But it's, it's like a law like no one's ever seen before. Because it's not the do's and the don'ts, it's the being. It's about being blessed. It's about identity. It's so so good. So Jesus sees all these crowds and says, this is the moment. Let's describe the new covenant. Let's describe the kingdom. So he went up on the mountain. Sounds like Moses, right? And when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Not blessed are the proud, blessed are the ambitious, Blessed are those who are getting what's coming to them. They're going to go get it no matter what it costs. No. Blessed are little people in little places, in little moments. That's what the people of God is made up of. Humble people with a mighty God. How do you become more in spirit? Well, there's a lot of roads to get there. But you know when you see it. You know when you feel it. You know when it's happening to you. All right. He says the new covenant, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. So many people do so much to avoid their pain. They medicate, they distract, they entertain, they stay busy. It's a good thing to recognize our pain and then to turn to God and have him actually take it away. This describes the people of God. People who are okay with mourning and turn over to God and then find real peace instead of just covering it up and putting it goes away or avoiding it until it erupts later on. Blessed are we, because we know how to mourn, and we know how to be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the proudest, you know, those are people who are self-controlled, who walk quietly, who have God on their side, but don't act aggressively, and they, they humbly enter into the world with a quiet stream. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. The opposite of this is everyone who deals with everyone around them harshly. Well, they said this, they deserve that. 
They did that, so they've got what's coming to them. I was treated that way. They're going to get it back ten times worse. Show mercy. That's hard. And so for some of us, that's we don't. We're like fighting to just stop being grudge holders and people who give payback. We don't. And some of us are going into doing, I've got to be merciful, like gritting our teeth. Oh, I've got to be merciful to that in-law, to that kid, to that boss of mine. I better show mercy. I know I'm supposed to. Okay, those are learning steps. But you just want to actually be merciful. So when that next person offends you or betrays you, the thing that comes up in you is, I've betrayed people before. Thank God for his mercy on me. I can't extend mercy here. I should. I wonder how they're hurt that they treated me that way. Mercy. It's a lesson. It's hard to get there, and without God it's impossible to get there, but it's not about trying really hard. It's says, blessed are people that are this way. Don't do, do, and just be. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's what we can talk about for a while. Being pure in heart, there are a lot of don'ts that apply to this one. Because there are a lot of things that are like corrupting. There are a lot of things that are offensive. There are a lot of things that are bad, that are wicked, that are, are distracting, that are destructive. And they get into our hearts sometimes. Sometimes all it takes is you look at a news app and you see an article or you, you get a text. It just takes something and then the thought's in there and now it's working on the inside. We feel pure in heart in those moments. So maybe this is a place we can consider renewing ourselves to try to set up some boundaries and stay pure in our hearts. Doing comes as well. Like Philippians 4 says, whatever is noble, what is right, thinking on the good, thinking on Christ. But ultimately, we're not even in control of our own hearts. Sometimes we just feel angry when we feel angry, we can't stop it. We feel love and didn't make it, it just happen. Blessed are those who become pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they call sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are you when others revile you, and when they persecute you, and when they utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The law is daunting, and even Christ's uh, law. James calls it the royal law of love. The royal law. Maybe you've seen that phrase. Like, what's the royal law? Well, Christ is king, and he has a law as well. Moses gave the Ten Commandments as the law, the basis, and Christ has this law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When James talks about it in the book of James, I encourage you to read that passage in chapter 2. He's talking specifically about favoritism. He says, when someone comes into your meeting and you like, make them sit in the back because they don't fit in or they don't look right or they don't smell good, give them a place just like, ah, off to the side. You're showing favoritism. You're breaking the royal law of love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you break one point of the law, you break all the law. You're either a lawbreaker or you're not. So it is daunting. Even the law of love is a very hard thing to keep. 
that's good for us. Because if we lower the bar for what God calls us to, we're never going to grow any further than we are right now. If we make Jesus to look like us and we bring him down to our level, then all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling fine. I'm okay. Life is fine. I'm in church once in a while. Oh, God, but like, is that what Jesus is like? A life that changed the world? A life that we met people their lives changed? That's what we're going to be like Christ. So we can't bring him down loving to go to him, so it's good to have this standard of perfection. Not because we're perfect or to make ourselves feel guilty, but to set our sights on God. He alone is perfect. And he makes us more and more like him all the time. So in these Beatitudes, you see a description of this new covenant people, of the body of Christ, of who Jesus was, how he lived it. What I'd like to do for this morning, which I told you we're going to do at some point, that point is now. I'd like to give us a minute to think about what areas we personally would like to renew our covenant with the Lord. And we go to communion later, kind of symbolizing and sealing the deal um, with Jesus through that observing of that ceremony that He gave us. But I'd like to just take a couple minutes for quiet, just for reflection, to think, what are the things in my life that I would like to renew with God that are some don'ts? What are some things that I'd like to renew with the Lord that are do's? And what are some things that I would like to renew my pledge to the Lord to be? I'd like to give us time for that, pray over us all, and then for us as a new hope community, as a church, I would like to read the covenant that we made to each other when we became members. I'd like to read that to remind us of what it means to be part of this body of Christ. And then give us a moment, including our new members as well, to commit to one another. But let's start individually. Take a moment. Right now, doesn't matter if you have a lot of words or a few words. Renew your commitment to the Lord this morning.
for each person in this room as we seek after you, as we dig deeper into you, that we would learn the truth of who you are, that we'd see ourselves honestly and humbly. Confess our sins to you, Father, but you know them all right now. You sent your son to die for them, to pay for them on our behalf. And so all we have to offer is our hearts Season of gratitude and love that you usher us into. 